Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. Today, Marcus and I sit down and talk about our powerlifting journeys, what it's like to go from the beginner stage of training to an advanced stage of training, uh, how training age affects the way you need to train, how it affected our training. Uh, training anecdotally and we give some recommendations on how to adjust things uh based on that um we talk about some of the things that some of the mistakes we think people are making uh who are new to powerlifting now um and a lot of other things just surrounding those topics so it's a good one if you're if you're new to powerlifting or if you're uh, a more advanced powerlifter who is not making as much progress as you used to and you're looking for uh, a way to change that, I think we have a little bit of wisdom in this category, both being in it for such a long time. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Marcus, uh, we, I was looking this up the other day and found out Marcus was number two in the world in 2021 for the 308 uh, pound category in powerlifting. So he's definitely got some uh, some wisdom to share going from uh, a skinny little Gumby type character to uh, this giant man that you guys see uh, today. So uh, as always, just make sure to tag us uh, in your stories when you're listening. Uh, tag me, Marcus, Steffi, Hybrid Unlimited. You'll automatically be entered in a draw to win some hybrid uh legacy brand apparel which is the official apparel of hybrid performance method and uh the hybrid unlimited podcast also check us out at hybridstrengthcoach.com we have every type of program under the sun from general fitness to powerlifting weightlifting strongman uh, bodybuilding everything in between definitely check that out um you can get a week free by just clicking the seven day free button at checkout and that goes for any of our programs so without further ado sit back relax enjoy another episode of hybrid unlimited we want to give a shout out to our incredible sponsors for the podcast element chances are you're not getting enough electrolytes or salt in your diet Element is an electrolyte supplement that contains no added sugar, no artificial ingredients, and no BS. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially if you sweat a lot during your training. Having the right levels of sodium, potassium, and magnesium flowing through your system will not only help combat fatigue and brain fog, but it can seriously improve your performance in the gym. But don't just take our word for it. Athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, US Olympians, and members of the Special Forces are all drinking Element to get their electrolyte intake on point with the most delicious powder on the market seriously these flavors are insane my personal favorite is citrus salt element is giving our listeners a special offer head over to the link in our show notes or ig to get a free gift with your purchase courtesy of our friends at element again the link is drinkelement.com hybrid that's drinklmnt.com hybrid stay salty and now back to the show. All right. Hello, friends. <clears throat> Hello, friends. Um, this episode, uh, you're taking the wheel, and you wanted to talk about some uh, some powerlifting related things, prep and such. Yeah, so. this is this is the world that not only I've inhabited, but it's just a big part of you know my relationship with you and the hybrid team and Steffi and how I made my way into this world after I was a weightlifter. So. Um, it actually came as a suggestion from a friend of mine out of New York and he was asking you know to go over more of like what is it like to prep for powerlifting competitions at a high level what is it like you know in the back room of high level powerlifting competitions what's it like at a high level and not just that but what's it like to compete in general so this could be applicable for people doing their first powerlifting competition it could be applicable for mm -hmm. people training or in the middle of a block or trying to figure out their future in the sport and my thought was i'd love to like talk about it with you we could both share our experiences and talk about the experiences of those around us limitations of being a powerlifter uh strength uh, recovery to me is a big topic you're much more first on the nutrition side of things and, you know, just talk about the life cycle of the sport in general and talk about, you know, like what it takes to really be the best. Uh, I don't 
I don't think I ever achieved number one in my weight class. The best I ever did was number two in the world at my weight class, which is not bad. Also, not bad. I meant to give you a shout out that one day when we were talking about it. But for those who don't know, for the year 2021, you were number two in the world in the 308-pound weight class. Yeah, which only second which to a kid named Andrew House, who's an absolute freaking monster. That's a guy that squats... He's a world a record holder, right? Yeah, he's, I think I don't think he's beaten Eric Lillybridge's record. It might have, but he came really close. But for those who don't know, I mean, probably the best three hundred eights of all time were Eric Lillybridge, and I'm not sure if Zahir competed at three hundred eight. He might have been a two seventy five guy, but that's right. Back in the day, Zahir Kadira. I've never figured out how to say his name. He's an animal. He was like one of the OG inspirations. If you ever watch those crazy like, oh, yeah. YouTube videos back in the day, you know, crazy motherfucker, I come for all of you. He's like the old, he's like the Kamzat Chimaya <laughs> yeah, of, of powerlifting. But like for good reason. I mean, questionably high squats and training, but a freak. And yeah. the only person that beat me last year was Andrew House. So hats off to that dude. He's a freaking strong kid. And uh, yeah, so. I thought that was a cool suggestion, so shout out Jasani. Appreciate the suggestion, and uh, I think we could just start by talking about, you know, like my history in the sport, like what it took to go from, you know, me just following the old hybrid deadlift protocol, which is like the OG program I ever uh -huh. followed, not knowing anything about squatting or deadlifting or anything like that, to like kind of slowly refining that over time and what it took to not get injured seriously along the way so yeah that's something that you uh you can like hang your hat on at the end of the day because that's super rare for a power lifter especially at the mm -hmm. level that you competed at to go through a career without a real injury you never Honestly, tore anything you never nothing, nothing. I, I, it was so bizarre because i would see a lot of people i knew like getting d dinged up and it wasn't like anything major but you know you'd see people like battling weird things but it just holds you back to such a significant degree and i found that whatever my you know own approach was which you know i'll figure out how to put into words now which i don't think i've ever talked about before it really helped because i tried to make my journey as like holistic as possible while still still pushing myself really 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 hard week in and week out but what, what's that mean to you in that uh, context holistic so you know like <clears throat> i never took like the instagram thing to be like my number one priority necessarily well it was a nice byproduct and there was cool benefits and i met a lot of really good friends of mine which are still very dear to me to this day but when i say holistic like i think i took the approach of like I don't want powerlifting to define my life past powerlifting, meaning I don't want to injure myself. I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm like technically compromised to the point where like I sure. tore something in my knee or strained my back or I, you know, tore my pec or something. So I, I think the, the basis of that was seeing, you know, I've always watched other people to figure out like things not to do and things to do. And I took a lot from you guys and Steph, especially she was like in like, seriously, you know, shout out Steph. Like she was a huge inspiration to me day one and really like put that mindset of, you know, like you, if you're going to be good at this, like, you know, give it your all and like act like a professional. I remember she said that to me once, like you can't fuck around and do stupid stuff. Like, treat yeah. this treat this like it's something serious you know and like you know she was number one in the world in in her discipline i mean which was an epic thing to watch so i took that mindset from day one and i thought to myself like all right like i don't care about achieving my goals year one or two or three but i know that like if i'm going to do this for five or six years like at the end of that road that's when i want to achieve it mm -hmm. so i think starting from that point and like actually having somebody elucidate that to me very clearly and say like treat this like it's something serious and it, i i took that to heart actually because like i figured all right i need to learn to train with the best and i was in a very fortunate position with you guys from day one you know like before there was even mm -hmm. a hybrid you know learning and you know exposed to a lot of the really great people that came through and always trying to train with other people and then even just training other disciplines like learning how to train with weightlifters like dude some of those sessions we did back in the day with clarence kennedy and like oh, yeah. sonny webster and scott hasaka like just even like learning little tips on how to move like a weightlifter which was a big part of the hybrid uh, philosophy absolutely yeah 
I feel like all of that stuff played into it. So going into the sport, I thought to myself, all right, like you're like you have a knack for this. And it's like other people told me that. I didn't really know what was good or bad. I was just like, I'm going to keep doing this and try and push my numbers. But uh, learning from day one to treat it not only like as if it, I was a professional, which I guess you could call that level of fitness or For strength, sure. yeah. but treating it as if like your life almost depended on it whilst performing the sport. Okay. Yeah. And so how did that how did that manifest in real life outside of a mindset but like how did that actually like what what actions like i should probably start at the beginning and i I tell this to a lot of young people and i'm going to tell this to everybody on the podcast because this is a huge platform to get the word out there but I, i think that there is a distinction that every young strength athlete has to make and every young strength athlete has the option to like choose the quick and easy route or the long term like I want to achieve this thing and it might not happen today and you know this just as well as I do like sure. everybody that's successful in business like you're an overnight success after 10 years or something if there's a, a great yeah, yeah. phrasing for that but you know I spent like 10 years in the gym just working out like a bodybuilder and like clearly I didn't look like a bodybuilder but I gained a lot of muscle mass and knowledge and knowledge I learned how to train like them I learned you know the basics of like the mind muscle connection the philosophy of like movements should be done in a certain way you know and i learned a lot of that through you guys and another great friend of yours and mine jordan shallow you know shout out prescript because they teach movement like the best of them but applying like that first 10 years of just building muscle and i think the point that i like to bring across to younger dudes in the sport is like i personally don't think the route of just practicing sbd as a power lifter is a good approach. No. I think that you're missing out on a lot of uh, muscle maturity. The, it was a good point, actually, that uh, Eddie Hall made. When we've had the privilege to chat with him a bunch, obviously, because he runs our Strongman program. But he said, for the most part, he trains like a bodybuilder. Really? Yeah. He's like, huh. he, he has a couple days a week where he is, you know, doing... You know, whatever the odd object stuff is sure, that they yeah, have to do using stuff. the different strongman implements. But for the most part, it's like, go, go look at his Instagram. He's doing, you know, bench press and lat pull down and rows and, and all, all that kind of stuff. Because that's, <clears throat> that's the foundation for any of the strength sports, really, right? Oh, it's yeah, like, sure. And you're even seeing that now. Look at guys like Marcus Philly with his, like, quote-unquote functional bodybuilding. Uh, you know, where he, he's doing things that are isolation movements. And in the past, it's like in weightlifting, uh, powerlifting, any of those, weightlifting especially, it was like anything that wasn't uh, snatch or clean and jerk, people were, thought it was just like a, some dumb meathead thing to do in the gym, right? Yeah. yeah. You came up in, in weightlifting first too, right? Yeah. People would definitely. literally talk about doing the bench press as if like you do one rep of bench press, you'll, you can't lift your arms over your head ever yeah, again. Yeah, right? Like you're going to have You're just going to miss all your snatches. <laughs> and it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's like, doesn't work like that. Yeah. Have you ever seen Klokov? Guy in his prime was benching like 220 kilos, you know, close to 500 pounds as a weightlifter. Wow. I know that. You know? And, and all of the those guys uh you know russia china all, all the eastern bloc countries they really prioritized yeah and this is the reason work. they perform so well and that's where i drew inspiration from because i had my first not my first but my my weightlifting coach that had the most impact on me was he was a the super heavy hungarian national champion uh and that's what he said. He's like, dude, we used to do bicep curls. He's like, I used to, we used to lower the barbell, do heavy bicep curls. We did, we did all of the, you know, all, all of the accessory bodybuilding and strength stuff. We didn't just do snatch and clean and jerk every day. That yeah. was a huge part of my inspiration for the, the hybrid program was seeing the way. Yeah, those guys did it. He taught us how to train. Like, well, it's not like you're training as a if. I think the the nomenclature probably gets people tripped up, and especially if you fall into this strength sports dogma, where some people like to label certain things, and by labeling it, you can like almost 
categorize it as good or bad by giving it this label, right? So if you were like a weightlifter, and I remember that mentality, and I remember a lot of younger powerlifters when I was training really, really hard for all those years, like they would almost look at accessory movements as if they were this kind of, you know, like off limits type thing. And they were, they were like doing these weird singles and, you know, like I don't want to name like specific groups of people, but... Mm -hmm. I always had a big problem with that style of training because I thought that, okay, you're eschewing bodybuilding and you think that by labeling it bodybuilding, you know, the dogma now precludes the ability to do the thing. I don't agree with that because what you're really doing is just muscle hypertrophy and the whole point of muscle hypertrophy is to build more muscle mass. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a bigger muscle has a greater potential for strength output. Exactly. So, like, not only do you look the part, but functionally your muscles are able to handle the weights much better. You've conditioned them to, to be under load consistently and at high volume. So now when you go to, you know, let, let's say for me, you know, I'm going to put 800 pounds on my back and there's guys much stronger than me. They put 1,000 pounds on their back. Like, they're big guys. You know, there's very few people that are squatting 800, 900, 1,000 pounds plus that are not just big human beings. So, like... And I think it, it gets lost on people because... The people who lift the most are the people in a super heavy class, right? So a lot of the times, because that weight class is unlimit like unlimited in weight, they're fat guys. But you don't realize that underneath that, you know, if, if those guys had are di had dieted, it's like there's a very impressive physique. Look at Eddie Hall. That. You ever see that guy's abs? Yeah. Oh my god. Or Thor. Yeah, dude. Thor's. I mean, when Thor just dieted down, I mean, he was just in, in insane shape, but. I think a lot of people don't understand that nuance. So like, that's a big, that's the starting point of this story, right? The starting point is like, if mm. it takes you f five years when you're young, 20 to 25 to like learn how to not only move well, but grow muscle mass. And like, you don't, you're not gonna be my size. Like most people are not, I mean, I'm a big guy and I don't expect that to be the result, but like for whatever your frame is, learning and understanding your connection to your body building muscle mass, uh, going through muscular hypertrophy phases and like seriously, like spending time away from the barbell. I credit a lot of my success and lack of injuries because I just had a very strong body. And I, I mean, I still do because now I just went back to training the way I used to, just basically hypertrophy stuff. Mm -hmm. But starting out, I had that foundation. So it's not like I just came into this whole world as like, you know, a baby giraffe, even though I kind of still am like a baby giraffe. <laughs> like, I think a big point that I like if I'm here like preaching from the pulpit of, of my experience then I would say the biggest takeaway for people starting which I would actually tell people and recommend this like, I'm not your coach but if you listen to anything I say or any takeaway from this story it's like don't be afraid to put in a good bit of time doing stuff that's not Instagrammable that you're not going to get praise for you know, doing light back squats and the leg press machine and hack squats and leg extensions and building really fucking strong hamstrings, just doing hamstring curls or uh, dumbbell variations of hamstring curls, whatever they may be. Like that should honestly be most people's priority for most of the year and the majority of the beginning of their journey into being strong and competing in strength sports. Cause you, I, I can't imagine how many people that I remember, and I'm, I'm again, I'm not going to name names, but people I saw over the years training a very specific way. And then when it comes meet day, they would make some weird excuse about some minutia of the event being off and therefore compromising their ability to express strength. It's like, brother, I hate to tell you, but the carpet being slippery was not the reason. <laughs> like I saw dudes at the Kern in like 2019. I don't know if you remember this, but I came out with you guys and there was a couple dudes squatting at the Kern over a thousand big guys in the super heavy division. You remember that's carpeting they had up there at that convention center. Which one was it? Was the one where they had the bear or the year prior? I don't think it was the bear. Okay. I mean, I don't not, not the flappy platform it was one. the floppy platform oh, the carpet okay. where those remember a couple dudes walked out their squats and they were like the carpet was messed up and they would have to like they were like taking steps back and forth with thousand pounds on their back and like they were walking out their squats yeah yeah but you know they were able to control it and control their bodies and i think the biggest thing everybody's starting out is learn learn how to not only like understand your body understand the way it moves but grow muscle mass like spend some spend years you know like all that, all the time that you could spend becoming stronger 
and not just expressing the strength, but like building muscle mass and like preparing to be strong. Like you're not wasting your time, you oh, know, yeah. just doing a bunch of like RPE 8.6667 singles and then doing a bunch of back down work. Like, I'm sorry, but that's not the way to do it. Well, to in me, my opinion, to me, that's like you're buying like a, a little Suzuki, right? <clears throat> and instead of, uh, you know, doing an overhaul on the engine, all you're doing with those doing those, you know, if you're only doing SBD and just going sub max all the time. Like, all you're doing is tweaking it, and like, I'm I added a little muffler, and I got a little more horsepower to that, or I did, you know, X Y Z little tweaks, but it's like that. That's not the issue. It's like yeah, you you have to be strong to be strong, and to be strong, you have to lift heavy. You have to push yourself, and you have to be uncomfortable a lot of the time. And to go back to my weightlifting coach, I remember uh, my whole team went over to his house for uh, uh, a dinner one time. He made us borscht. Like a God bless him. Yeah, like a good Hungarian. And uh, he it was this is he was telling me about how much he used to like buy a bicep curl with the barbell. And I I didn't I don't know what that number was, but it was impressive to me at the time. I said, Oh, I can't believe you even bicep curled. He goes, What are you talking about? He shows me the uh, the picture of Team Hungary. He goes, Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> We're fucking Jack, bro. Yeah, look at us. You think we lift this? For no, we we lift as much as we do for no reason. He goes, stupid Canadian weightlifters, <laughs> <laughs> stick figures trying to lift yeah. to lift big weights. He's like, you you need to, like you looking the part. It's not just to look the part; it's being yeah. the part, right? Yeah, being. Like, that's a good point. That's, right? a, that's a great way to phrase it. It's you look strong because you are strong because you've done all the things it takes to build a physique that can mm -hmm. move weight. Hello friends, we wanted to remind you about our exclusive offer from Element for Hybrid Unlimited listeners. You can snag a free gift when you purchase your pack of Element over at www.drinkelement.com hybrid. That's www.drinklmnt.com hybrid. You can also find that link in the show notes or over on the podcast Instagram page. If you sweat, you need Element. It's the tastiest electrolyte supplement on the market, trusted by athletes at the highest level. We love it, and we know you will too. All right, back to the show. Being the part is important, because, like, you know, you want to be able to go out in the world, and not. it's very vain to just think that the, the whole point of, of my, my basic thought, before we jump into the rest of the story of both of our careers in weightlifting and powerlifting, like, you want to be strong. You want to look strong. You want to feel strong physically, and, you know, it... There's so many people I talk to that just can't get their head around like exercising in general and like family members of mine, they'll be complaining about, oh, my back hurts and I've got this knee problem and stuff. And it's like, I get it, but like you don't spend any time getting stronger. And I get this question all the time. Like I'm, Steph could probably speak to this more than I could because she wrote a fucking book on it, but like back mm -hmm. pain, right? Like I, from all my smart friends, the biggest thing that I've gathered, it's usually not like your lower back that's hurt. It's like probably the combination of things and a lack of strength overall. Mm. It's not like you have a lot of muscle in your lower back, right? Right. Like you probably have weak glutes and weak musculature like in your back. Well, and a lot of other things. Especially as you're aging, like the statistics for somebody like over the age of 60 going to the hospital just for anything the mortality rate associated with that is so high. It's scary. Like I think Steph even talked about this on a post recent recently that it was like, uh, somebody who goes in over the age of 60 for uh, a broken hip, the mortality rate is like over 60%. Wow. Is that just because they just stop They don't have the ability to move as much afterward or what? Well, that her, her point in this was that that's why strength training is so important because you know, you have all, all these people, they're struggling to get off the toilet or like, you know, just do basic tasks because right. obviously you're going to get weaker as you get older if you're not combating that in some way through strength, some sort of strength training. Um, but it's, it's, I don't know why once they get in, you know, what in the hospital, why that's the case, but it's just looking at statistics. It's like, I would want to do anything I could to not end up in that situation knowing the stats you know? right it's like you know you go out on a road trip across the desert you bring a couple extra bottles of water a couple extra cans of gas and it's like as you get older my 
personally, I'd rather have an excess of strength and muscle mass so I can lose some of that as I get older and still have a surplus. You know, mm-hmm. like, like my dad was like my original fitness inspiration because he didn't basically do anything up until he was 40. And then he's, he's like, cycling, right? I'm just going to become a cyclist. And now he rides like he's 62. Dude rides like 100 plus miles a week, probably two, close to 200 miles a week. And like, doesn't go to the gym. I can't get him to go to the gym with me, but he's always complaining about his back hurting. And I'm like, you're so dedicated to being a fucking maniac on the bike. I can't get you to come to the gym and fix this other stuff. And it's like... The, the point that I'm trying to make is like if you're whether you're a young up and coming strength athlete or general fitness whatever it is doing CrossFit like don't neglect this stuff because like just doing a bunch of crazy barbell movements squatting heavy deadlifting heavy benching heavy doing overhead thrusters doing all those movements like one day or another the bill's gonna come and you're gonna have to pay it yeah there's there's no fighting that can't argue with me about it it is what it is no matter what. I would rather go into age as I'm getting older. Cause like, you know, I'm 31 now we're both of us are getting older and older. Not that we're old now, but like the time is going to come and like, I'd rather be prepared for that. But to bring that back to the powerlifting journey, like I started mm-hmm. having that mindset, whether I knew it or not, like I just did it for so long and I'm like, Oh, well, I'm really glad I did that. Now I'm going to try and express that through strength. And you know, before I knew it, I was deadlifting 700 pounds. Like, and then 800 and then 900. <laughs> Close. <I got laughs> well, you did 900 in training. No, nah, I did 881. Nope. That was it. But Bum. <laughs> I, I was going to do it at the meet, man, and I got that COVID, and it kind of messed me up. The biddler will get you. Yeah, it's not great. But, yeah, I, I think the, the story that I wanted to tell, was that was the beginning of it, and then, like, what it's like to train, right? So I think there's a misconception out there about training at the really, really high level, especially... You know, I'm not. I'm gonna be candid about this. You know, whether you're tested or untested, like, there's a difference, right? Like, and we were just talking yeah. about this on the last podcast about the Liver King. The the drugs themselves don't take away from the accomplishment, but it is a factor. And I'm not gonna talk about the nuances of it. It's not my place. It, it's it would be disingenuous of me to we're think that I could explain it. Yeah. No, I'm not a doctor. And if you ever have questions about that, go talk to an expert. But like, at the very highest levels of powerlifting especially as your body weight gets heavier and your strength goes up, you have to tailor your approach to the sport differently. And for me, and much like a lot of guys I know that are getting big and strong, you included, like everyone as you continue to mature, like I think like the first year, I remember we were all together in 17, we started. And I I used that term we a lot because it was like a group thing. We would all go compete together, train together. There we all are. Yeah, <laughs> shout out South Park. I mean, a lot of characters from there ain't here anymore, but like the time being, it was sick, you know? And like, yeah. that was the world that we were in. So I at the, at the beginning, you remember, it was three competitions a year, four competitions a year, and it would just be prep to prep to prep to prep to prep. And I don't know if that was necessarily the best approach, but at the time... We were in a stage of, of our both age and training age where we could push it a lot and kind of redline and it was beneficial for us to make progress. And I, th- I think to go back to what you were saying earlier, that's something that a lot of newer people to the sport miss out on. It's like you should in your early twenties, especially early and mid twenties, you can push yourself to the limit and make a ton of progress. I remember I started powerlifting because I was getting injured in weightlifting. Right. And yeah. I was like, the issue to me was I just needed to put on strength, especially in the squat. Took my squat from like 190 or 200 kilos to 290 kilos in in like a less than 18 months. And that was me squatting four times a week, killing myself, you know, like really, really pushing it. And that was something that during that period of time, I was able to do because mm-hmm. I was young enough. I was, you know, I had the, the time. I was able to recover properly. I had tools and access to, I was living with literally a doctor of physical therapy. You know, I had, if I if I tore something, I could go to Dr. Mal and get a PRP injection and be back in four weeks. It was like, you know, I, yeah. I felt like, like friggin' Captain America. Before you go on, can you explain in your words the difference between physical age and training age for people? 
Yeah. So what's that mean? I mean, your physical age is something that you know, like time catches up with everybody. Like you were saying, right? The bill comes at some point, and you can manipulate when it catches up with you based on all your lifestyle choices and training choices for sure. But then training age is a completely different thing where you're talking about how long you've been in the sport. And you know, everyone knows the term beginner gains. You know, if if, if I've been training for five years intensely, it's going to be a lot more difficult for me to continue to make the same rate of progress as I did in year one. Sure. So training age is something that sort of takes into account how well trained you are and how difficult it is to make progress, how probably beaten up you are based on wear and tear of just doing something intensely for a long time. Uh, I mean, your knowledge has something to do with that as well. But generally, it's a, a graph that would, you know, if you had to graph it, it'd be a training age, you know, is uh, in line with diminishing returns. You're going to over time make less and you're going to have to keep doing more and more to make less and less progress mm-hmm. but to continue to make progress so taking that into account let's just say you've been training a couple of years the gains aren't coming as fast how do you recommend that people adapt their programming their lifestyle and their goals to being a more mature physically and just time-wise lifter right so like let's just say i've been training four years right and yeah. I'm, I'm really really strong but the gains aren't coming as quickly numerically uh they're just i'm not gaining 20 kilos per uh meet every time on my squat and my deadlift what's the nuance right like how do you explain that to people in a way that's palatable and tell them like the thing that you used to do is not the same thing as you need to do now yeah well i think that powerlifting at the high level it's such a game of Powerlifting gets a bad rap for being simple, I think, sometimes. And being simple is not the same as being easy because it's just as simple for everybody, right? If you're only learning a simple skill, squat, bench, deadlift, right, it's a lot less technical than a sport like Olympic weightlifting, right? It's it's quote-unquote easier to learn. But because it's easier to learn, the minutia of everything else you do surrounding it becomes so much more important. So when... You know, I think typically people hit, uh, you know, a training age in powerlifting of around three years, right? And that's when stuff really starts slowing down. That's when maybe you're experiencing some injuries for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's starting to get hard. And even maybe to the point where it's affecting your quality of life outside of the sport, right? Sure. We've all felt that. You go to sleep and your shoulder hurts and it keeps you up or you have patellar tendonitis and sitting for a long time bothers you. Like it's a million other things, right? But that's when certain things, and I can't believe we've gone this long, actually, without mentioning the bathhouse. But, <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's been a few episodes. But that's when things like whatever the recovery technique is that works for you, you need to start incorporating those things. You need to start training differently as well, obviously, right? Like, I have two thoughts going on right now. But the first one is... Your recovery techniques, for me, the relief that I got from going to the bathhouse and doing the cold plunge and sitting in the sauna, I used to go three times a week during Dude, prep. so did I. I mean... Three times, we'd go yeah, there, and yes. it's to the, to the point where we were so friendly with the staff that sometimes we'd go in, and they just wouldn't even stamp our card. Yeah, yeah. We miss God. you, Luis. If you're listening, I don't think <laughs> yeah. you are, but... God damn it, we miss this, you. This one's on the house, <laughs> you know? And, and that would happen a lot, and but we were there all the time. And uh, it made a huge difference for me. My best meets that I ever had were those meets where I was using that as a recovery tool. Yeah. Um, Most people don't have access to something as glorious as the beautiful, wonderful Miami Russian Turkish bathhouse. But I, I also credit that. I tell everybody there's nothing I did, not a single supplement or anything that mattered to me as much during my heaviest, strongest years as going and doing alternating sauna and cold plunge like you guys see joe rogan doing it and i don't, don't laugh but like even liver king preaches it like oh yeah like i said in the last podcast like you pick out stuff that makes sense and i to, to me that is the one thing that if you have access to to finding a local sauna or cold plunge and putting them together i science could prove me wrong i was just gonna say it's that gotta like, be the most powerful the... thing i ever did 
people can argue the efficacy of all these different things and whether they're proven or not. But at the end of the day, if something makes you feel better, if something makes a meaningful impact in your recovery and even your quality of life, like I would feel better. I would sleep better. Yeah, I would, like less it, stress. It, it, like, it, it puts it, you away from your phone for two hours too. That was also a huge, huge thing, right? Especially being in a business that was so social media oriented where mm -hmm. I had to be on my phone all the time and still do having access to the bathhouse where your phone literally doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's underground. You don't get a signal. It's like, you have to put that away for two hours and you're just, you're like, it's like going back in time, 50 years, not only because the ambience of the place looked like that. <laughs> it was literally 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it, the environment was like that too. You're just, remember we, how many different people that we just, some some to. good, some bad. Dude, you know? Diego Sanchez was in there. I mean, I remember you met Yoel Romero in there once, and we got to go hang out with uh, Fernando all the Cyborg. time. Cyborg. Yeah, dude. I mean, we're one of the world's greatest no grapplers of all time, and yeah. key, arguably. Like, just there's a reason that cultures do that thing. And, like, it, yeah, it's funny we didn't touch on that soon enough, but since Fernando introduced me and you and all of us to that thing, like, you go around the world and it's actually like a very common practice for health. You go to yeah. these different cultures, Turkey and Russia and like, dude, every time I go to Germany. All the Nordic countries. Yeah, dude. In Nordic countries especially. And like every time I go to Germany, there's this mm -hmm. like place that's called Erding. It's like a, it's like a theme park of saunas and bathhouses <laughs> and people just go stay there and you go recover and like unwind from the stress of life. So if you guys want a serious life hack, you probably hear us talk about this all the time on the podcast. But yeah, George City might make a reel of it every time we mention the bathhouse because there's so many damn, of them. Please. But, I mean, <laughs> just for people's fucking health. Like, if you can well, get access to a sauna and you can get access to a cold plunge, that will take you to a different level of recovery. And, like, you know. There's some pretty wild statistics great. linking countries that uh, have regular sauna use kind of ingrained in their culture and instances of cancer and all-cause mortality being way lower. Really? Yeah. I'm sure Dr. Rhonda Patrick could probably talk better about that. Yeah, than definitely. She's, like, yeah, she's I won't, brilliant on that topic. I won't get into the weeds of it. You can go check her out uh, if you want to hear more. But it's a really interesting thing. And then the second the second point I wanted to make was how your training has to tra change. Like, yeah, so like you were that? saying. Like I have my own take on it, but I want to hear yours first. Well, so I told you originally when I was young, I was – not to say that I'm old, but when I was younger and my training age was younger, I was able to go in and push myself and do stuff like squat heavy four times a week, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think something that people really need to understand in strength sports is that <clears throat> when, when you're looking at someone who squats 200 pounds and you're looking at someone who squats 800 pounds, if their max, if that's their max, that's their 100%, you are recovering completely different as a human being from an 800 pound squat versus a 200 pound squat. That's why somebody, you know, if it, saying all else is equal, right? Mm. It's you in the early days of training versus you when you can squat 800 pounds. When you're, when you're a person, you squatting 200 pounds, you can come in the next day. You can do it again. You can do it again. You can do, you could do that over and over again. You probably do more. You probably squat 200 pounds the next day, come in or two days later, push it a little harder and get 205. Right. You're not going to come in and do that with 800 pounds every day. The way that you recover no, is completely man. different. Yeah. So, I mean, you see it on because the, the absolute load is it's very different. Like, and I've heard this. This is a very like funny nuance that people try and stick into this conversation. Where they're like, "Oh, well, you're 300 pounds." It's like, "Yeah, I'm 300 pounds. I can squat almost 900 pounds." But like, that's eight. You know, my max was 881, right? So like, even 881 being my max, that's 881 pounds on the body. I don't care how big or small, fat or skinny, muscular or not you are, 881 is heavier than 700, than 600, than 500, than 400. And like, that might be my max. And maybe a guy that's 200 pounds can squat 600 pounds. But that's still a very big difference in absolute load. And it just impacts the body in a way that most people don't understand. For sure. And that's why you see guys, I mean, I, I, Kevin Oak is a good example of this. He used to, you know, when he was competing at his his peak when he was breaking all the world records he was deadlifting once every 10 days yeah he told me that recently he has a 10 day he had a 10 day training split and like i had a pretty similar setup but it makes a lot of sense because like you just this is a nuance again like most people don't get to realize and it's not a good or a bad thing it just is what it is like you mm -hmm. don't get to realize it because it's just a different level of strength and when you get there 
like in this I, again I, I hate I don't want to sound like I'm talking down to anybody I'm not I'm just talking from no, experience about the way that I saw things and felt things like things have to change and the way that you're talking about training age is great because you have to start taking other things into account because your training is going to stay simple right I think but everything else gets more complicated your recovery timing your training the type of split that you're on methodologies to sleep and recover and keep your mind well and nutrition yeah dude exactly and it's even things like remember i mean when i was uh competing at my highest level i was i was it was down to the point where i was making sure before i was lifting i was especially being in a place like miami where you're outside sweating and all that stuff sodium magnesium like drinking enough water consciously you know throughout the day the electrolyte thing's huge and i don't I, aren't they they're sponsored with the podcast right yeah. yeah oh yeah element yeah man like check them out i i when i was competing like huge I, help yeah i didn't use that specific brand but the, the electrolyte profile is pretty similar i always use this company i don't remember the name of it but basically like a gram of sodium and a bottle of water with uh, like 500 milligrams of potassium and a couple other things baked into it but it, it was so important to stay absurdly hydrated with sodium and when you get to a higher level of strength and you're training very rigorously and you're you're being very conscious of your recovery and you're being conscious of the way that you interact with the world on a day-to-day basis because like you also can't do dumb shit to just like compromise your level of strength like you also can't do a lot of regular shit remember it's like sure i walk to starbucks every morning now that's how i start my day when i'm when, when i was in a prep you said are you gonna walk to starbucks i don't care if that's 500 feet away yeah it's like no, i need to be sitting still it either drive me or or carry me you know? but, <laughs> but i'm not sacrificing my squat yeah. session to go get a coffee well i think that speaks to a good point though right like if you're serious about being the best at what you're doing like you have to treat yourself and like i always remember steph told me this day one you have to treat this like you're a professional and i wasn't but i treated it like i was and i think that that played into it right it's like all right what do people that are competing at the highest level do to recover all right Let's reverse engineer that. You surround yourself with those people, which again, being here, I was very fucking fortunate to do. Like, okay, I'm with one of the world's greatest Olympians. You know, Fernando is here. He taught us mm-hmm. all different ways to like recover, go to the path house, sauna, all that stuff played into it, you know, but you have to treat it like it's serious if the goal is that serious to you. Now, I mean, if you're competing casually and you're not at the top of the pack and you don't care about that, then fine. Like you can take things more casually. Yeah. But when you get to that level, and to go back to the original question that like sparked this whole conversation for my friend, it's like, all right, like let's talk about what it's like to to you know be at the big stage and compete. So like, all these things play into it while you're in prep and the prep cycle. When you're, at least I can speak from my own story. Like it changed as my training age changed. It changed dramatically. You know, I started working with Sebastian. And if you guys don't know, I've talked about him a bunch, but he was instrumental in my last two years in powerlifting. Great dude. If you don't follow him, go check him out. Australian strength coach on Instagram. He's a great mentor. He has a lot of amazing training tips and tricks out there. Great dude. But he taught me a lot. And a lot of it was like, when I first started working with him, I saw his original program and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) It was so simple. It was like... I was almost like uneasy because I was, I was not like, used to this that. Is, yeah, it's not enough. Yeah, but it was like he systematized it. And this is great as you get stronger. It's like you also have to consider the frequency at which you're doing things on like a heavy basis. Like for me, I couldn't squat heavy every 10 days oh, or well, every week. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look at Yuri Belkin is another example. Yeah, his, his, his split's similar. Isn't he it? trains three days a week. And so does Mariana. Remember? Yeah, so I mean, it, you look at the people that are lifting these like almost superhuman, supernatural weights. Mm-hmm. It takes a huge toll. It's like it gets to a point where less is more. Yeah, and I think that's a that's that's the approach. It's like you almost kind of invert the way that you train the further you get into it because like you, the strength doesn't really go away, but the way you express it has to change, and the yeah. way you practice it and like the incremental like overload. You know, if you're on a progressive overload program, like. So for me, it would be like week one of prep, I'd be squatting, you know, 300 kilos. Week two, I'd be squatting, you know, 250 kilos or something like that. And then week two or week three, I would be back to 320, you know, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, it it would just undulate. And then 
week two where I wasn't squatting very heavy, I'd be deadlifting heavy. I think that's an a, a, like an important distinction to make too, because when people think about you know you you look at some people and you see it a lot in the IPF and I, people will make the argument in IPF or USAPL or any of the tested leagues that it's a uh, it's because it's a tested league that they have to train a certain way. And I don't think that that's the case. I think, um, yeah, I almost I feel think, like it should be training the opposite way. Like that, that's what I mean. Six days a week of all this high volume. Well, you see guys that are, they're, they're benching low intensity, high volume, five days a week. And it's like, and what do they have to show for it? That's what I mean. I mean, I mean some, that, some I people are good cruel. too, it's but just, even the people that are, are successful at that, I don't think you'd be, I don't think, they're as successful as they would be if they just dropped their frequency and lifted a little heavier. And it doesn't mean you have to max out all the time, right? It's, it's having a well-planned... No, it's it's having a well-planned peak. Right? Yeah. Exactly like what you're talking about. You had one week where you'd go... It'd be a heavier week. Then you go lighter. Then you ramp it up even more. And then you go lighter. And then you ramp it up even more, right? And you build into... Yeah, well, I mean... That's what a peak is. I, I feel like the justification I've heard is that the tested versus untested world... Mm-hmm. untested they feel like they need to train a specific way because they're untested but like cut through the bullshit like you're actually doing more work and having to ca- you're causing yourself a greater amount of stress in the body and more ability to recover with a less like, effective stimulus right with a less effective stimulus and you're also comparing yourself t- to somebody with a you know just be honest like a better recovery protocol because of drugs and you think that because you're training that way, higher intent or higher frequency, less intensity, that for some reason you're going to recover better. And also, I like, don't get it. I mean, maybe I'm not smart enough to get it, but I no, I think I, from my perspective, it doesn't make any sense. I think that there's way too much of an emphasis around just avoiding injury to the point where people aren't pushing themselves to the point where they can make a ton of progress. It's like, it, even look at, look at, like, look at, uh, USAPL lifters that are at the top, Taylor Atwood, Russell Orhe, any of those guys, they're lifting heavy. You go to oh, rest, yeah. you go to rest page, you go to Taylor Atwood's page. Those guys are lifting heavy. They're not doing RP six singles, you know, for 10 sets, five times a week. Because, I think to be really good, you have to take some risk. Like you have to have that risk of injury, yeah. right? You have to push yourself heavy. It's like, we've been around Steffi. We've seen what she's pushed through. It's we've, fucking animal. You've seen how heavy she lift and lifted and, and how frequently. And it's like, you know, that that's, the, that's what it takes to be the best if your goal is to be the best. Well, I think no matter if you want to be the best or not, that should be the mindset. Because like, I don't believe in going into stuff half-ass. Yeah. If you want to be a power lifter, like you want to compete, like why? I mean, do- if you're just doing it for exercise, then and what totally that's different preferred- thing. But if you're going out there to compete, yeah, like, and you want to be the best I, that you gonna, can be, yeah. I'm not going to half-ass that. No. So I think that that to me was a very odd thing. But again, like as my training age progressed, I realized that I like to tell people that there's a different way to look at things. There's a different style, like you know. And I tell a lot of my friends that are getting strong. Like I have you know the guy we we're just talking about down here. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I respect what he's doing. He's smart as shit. And then some days I'll look at his program and I'll be like, God damn, dude, that's a lot of volume. Like, you're too big and way too strong to be fucking around with that. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't care if somebody disagrees with me, but from my perspective, like, I've been through the road. I've gone down the road. I've reached my goals. Like, I walked away with my head held high, not being injured, achieving my strength goals. Like, but to me, like, I when I see things, like, I see it a very specific way. And, like, I guess everybody has their, their differences. But, like, I just don't think that if you're going to go from year one to year five, and if you're going to apply the same mindset from day one to year five, you're going to make the same progress you could being adaptive and malleable and, like, changing your mindset. So, like, as I went through, you know, again, like, the last two years, I was lucky enough to work with Sebastian and, like, my training changed completely. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I would be doing a lot of like vari- variation hypertrophy, like in the off season, like I wouldn't do a single normal deadlift. He wouldn't even give me a normal off the floor conventional deadlift until like eight, 10 weeks out, maybe, maybe 12. But like, I remember I would come in, you know, for the first two months of a cycle and it'd be like five by seven snatch grip deadlift off blocks for the first 
month maybe, and then after that it would go to the ground, still snatch grip deadlifts. But like by the time I got back to the the normal barbell, like my deadlift shot up like crazy. But I was very I was doing variations, and I was like that to me was like barbell hypertrophy work. Yeah, well I I think too. This is a another argument for uh, intensity and also what you're talking about not doing the the full lifts all year round. Mm-hmm. I think you only have you have a set number of down ups you can do, right? Yeah, it's you're, like it's like a it's like a punch card. A hundred percent. It's the same with like with fighters, right? Yeah. You, let's say you get a hundred punches to the head before. You know, before yeah, you CT kicks in, yeah. or yeah, or before you're just one of those guys who gets knocked out all the time, right? You've seen it happen with so many greats, Chuck Liddell, and uh, who's a recent McGregor, even recently, like they're, they're, whatever. There's a bunch of them. It's Tony Ferguson, yeah, Ooh. exactly. Yeah, man, he got to Harvard. He was talking shit on Tony. Tony's at Harvard <laughs> right now. He's laughing at all of you. He put up a hell of a fight. He's the boat. <laughs> Goats come and go, but boats stay afloat. That's what he said. The best of all time. That sounds like something Tony would say. <laughs> Dude, everything he says, I'm like, I can't tell if you're completely stupid or a genius. At this point, it probably blends together. <laughs> yeah. He's he made a Harvard. bit of both. Anyways, but yeah, anyways. go back on your tangent there. Um, what was I saying? Uh, I forgot. Where were we? You were... Oh, my God. Talking about... Oh, oh yeah, right. yeah. Total so like number of yeah, squats. Yeah. I said the punch card. Yeah, analogy. exactly. So it's like your knees, your hips, your back. You go. You only have right. so many squats, benches, and deadlifts in you. And every time you do one of those reps, you're using one of them up. And it's like if you're gonna do th- thousands of reps of volume, you're just using those up in a way that's not as meaningful. I think. Right. Well, like, what's the point of doing all these submaximal squats and bench presses and deadlifts to like circle jerk around your technique? Like, to me, it's just mental masturbation to look at a camera. Like, yeah, you learned how to squat. Now, like, if there's things you need to fix, sure. But, like, nobody got better at back squatting by sub-maximally squatting RPE 6s. For- and just trying to... Dude, it's like riding a bicycle. At some point, you understand how to do it, right? Yeah, well, like, get really good at, like, the hard part of riding a bicycle. Right. And, and every session is a technique session. I hate when people call lifts technique session. And they go really light. What the fuck? What does that mean? You're right. Like everybody can lift 50 kilos, <laughs> you know, uh, well in every lift. But that's not what's challenging. What's challenging is doing that at the heavy weights, and to get good at that, you need to lift heavy weights. Right. But there's also some kind of like fear and apprehension that comes along with that because what 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 happens is you probably get guys that like don't want to be away from a movement for too long, and they're afraid that when they get back that they're not going to be as good, not going to be as technically proficient. So, like, yeah. I better practice this every single week, five times a week, four times a week, so I know how to get my arch in the perfect position and feet planted and all this stuff. It's like, that's not what happens in competition either. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but, like, part of the reason I brought this whole topic up today was the question of, like, what's it like to be in competition? Like, when you go to a competition, nothing goes to plan. No. Not a single part of that day because, okay, well, I have an hour between squat and bench, and, you know, I'm just going to go take a little nap and relax. And then by the time you get sat down, you stop talking to people, you're in the back room, you see other guys starting to warm up, and you're like, oh, shit, flight flight A is going again, and all of a sudden I got to get started under a bar, and you just rush through everything, and, like, nothing goes to plan. So, like, what makes you think that preparing so methodically in training every single day ad nauseum and repetition is going to prepare you for that like well, i mean a hundred percent nothing bothers me more than when i see powerlifters complaining about equipment in a meet or any of the periphery things it's like dude have you ever thought about that never you never get under once. a barbell and you're like i think the knurling's too aggressive if they told me there was an oki bar for the deadlift bar in a competition oh, an oki bar what's that just like it's base, it's it's like a noodle bar. Or something? No, it's a deadlift bar, but it's basically a stiff bar. Okay, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of annoying, right? Sure. But other than that, I don't get if you need all these special criteria to express your strength, then you're not that strong. <laughs> <laughs> like just lift. The, it's God. it's the most simple sport Bo in the world. The hot takes today. Dude, you pick it up, you put it down. Right. <laughs> that's the sport. It doesn't get much simpler than that. And I like I like I said you like can't you, you said, can't I've like never... have a, a meet recap where you're like 
listen, I would have done well today if it wasn't for the 16 flies that were buzzing around the room and the carpet. It was not Persian. It was definitely shag. If it wasn't for that, the, you know, ba- I, the I, bench I, was too soft. The when have combo you ever, was uh, What have you ever gotten up from a bench press attempt? You're like, you know, the thickness and viscosity of this bench press was just a little bit off for my leg. Like, fuck no, dude. Get the fuck out of here. Like, you just, you're not good enough at the thing. You're not strong enough. Like, that's that's the reality. And also, you can't make excuses for that. And it's also something you can completely prepare for, right? If you know that there's going to be variables in competition, then don't set yourself up that in training to need all of this perfect criteria to have a good lift, right? Like, train at different times. Train in different gyms. You know, lift on different surfaces if you're... Like, do you see people bringing fucking carpets to the gym now? Have you seen this? I've seen it. They bring their own runners. Are they magic carpets? <laughs> they, they might. They, they make <laughs> it seem like that's the case, but they bring their own runners to the gym. And it's like, well, what if that's not what's the, the in the competition? Yeah, you think they're gonna let you bring a carpet to the fucking competition? Uh, yeah. The USAPL wh- doesn't allow that. And what? You have your special carpet. Now you're used to this carpet, and what, now they give, they put a different carpet, and now <laughs> you're screwed. It's like I, I, they're just, just. I wish that was a joke. I know it's. I know that's it a is thing. Real. I know it's a thing. It's like just lift and forget about all this other nonsense. So like yeah. the basis of this whole story is like, put in enough time before you become a powerlifter. Put in enough time learning your body and understanding strength imbalances and weaknesses and building muscle mass. Recovery is huge. You know, as your training age progresses, to me, the number one thing to focus on is prioritizing recovery, Mm -hmm. tailoring your program to how long you've been training and the intensity of your training and your body weight, honestly, is not enough emphasis. But like, if you're a big dude like me, you have to train differently. If you're Mm -hmm. really fucking strong out there, if you're 250 plus. Even when I was competing at 198, I had to train completely differently once I started lifting heavy. That was right. training age and, and uh, load. And for you, body weight, for it, it's relative, right? Like, so for me, I'm six foot, whatever, six foot three, six, I don't know how tall I am, but tall yeah. enough, six three, I guess. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I put on body weight differently. I'm, I'm just a bigger person. But, like, mm-hmm. to me, like, that now is a relative number. The, the strength that I got to is relative. So for you, you know, the strength that you got to at that point, the body weight you got to at that point when you're your strongest and heaviest competing, like, big difference. Yeah, yeah. And you have to take that stuff into account. So, like, focusing on the nuance of your program and bullshit variables is just fucking nonsense. Like, get out of here. So what what was the, what was your worst and best prep and what were, like, the takeaways from either of them? (laughs) The worst prep was the first one I ever did. I didn't know how to bench. It was Battle of the Bay in 2017. It was like January. Was that the one that was on the beach? It was. Oh, I competed in that one also. Yeah, it was at the beach. You guys were there, and uh, I bombed out on bench. Ended up pulling a 290 kilo deadlift. First competition ever, but I I missed my first bench on rack command, so I ended up bombing on the day. I tried 150 kilos in my second attempt, and like. I had no idea how to bench. I like never did it at that point because I was fresh off my weightlifting career, mm-hmm. and I bombed out. But I was like pretty stoked because I still pulled the nine two ninety kilo deadlift, which was like pure at the time, huge. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I had no idea what I was doing. And I cut like twenty something pounds for that meet. Like I did a big cut too. Stupid. I was running in like a sweater in the parking lot <laughs> to make weight, and then it was tough. That that was my worst. My best prep was uh, for the current of 2021, where I did my best total ever, and that was you know I was utilizing all those same recovery techniques. Uh, I was going to the bathhouse like three days a week. Um, you know I was able to really focus on recovery, uh, my training. You know which again credit to Bass. Like it was just it was just spot on. But you know what I built up so many competitions between. Mm-hmm. My first and my last, you know, not counting the hybrid meet where I just did deadlift only, but, you know, that last meet, like, I just was prepared. You know, mentally I was prepared. I, I had, I'd, I always had this thing where I'd fixate on the numbers I wanted to hit in competition and, like, maybe not healthy, but, like, I was mentally prepared to put 400 kilos on my back. You know, I also had my best bench ever. I think it was, like, 235 kilograms and uh, maybe it was 240. I don't remember. But I had... 
done everything possible to prepare for it spent years training my recovery was spot on you know i like it was all i think it was like the end of covid type era so maybe it was more relaxed uh you know or maybe more restrictive environment couldn't go out and do as much but it was just ready to do it my body my mind my recovery you know my nutrition everything was there i was ready to do it and you know i executed i had a good plan i prepared for it and you know, it just took a long time to get there you know and i was really mm -hmm. satisfied with the results you know and, and i again like i didn't feel the need to keep pushing as hard as you know some some people you know, I, I just knew like okay like i'm happy with that yeah and i felt like that was a good mental place for me to pause trying to pursue strength at like a really really high level yeah yeah i mean you've gotten this far without without injury you're in good health you yeah. came second in the world last year it's like yeah you know what but it's i think people have to like set a goal also like we just can do this indefinitely until your body gives out like that's a shitty place to be yeah when you see a lot of people it, it's tough i think you had the benefit of not um letting it become part of your identity like it, or it was part of your identity but it wasn't your whole identity where i think a lot of people who end up in strength sports it becomes their whole identity so to they can't step away it's like, you know, just like an NFL player or a hockey player. It's like all they've ever loved, been supported for and praised for their whole life. It's like you walk away from that. It's like how many times do you see, like, Tom Brady? These guys tried to retire, like, three times. Yeah, like, just basically know? got divorced over it. Legit. That's and that, that's that's. It's like, does he need the money or is he just addicted to playing the game? Well, he, him and uh, Giselle lost, like, $600 million Supposedly. through yeah. uh, FTX. Oof. but. God. That maybe we'll save that for another podcast. Oof. But so maybe he does need some money. But <laughs> <laughs> but I mean he's building up pretty sick. No, nah, I, th I think he's doing I think fine. He's fine. I think he's doing fine. But um, you know you, you you see that all the time, and that's where you see these guys that are like, dude, you see guys in their sixties just killing themselves, can barely walk, yeah, strap themselves in a multiply suit, and they're off to the races. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I don't think that's ever going to be me. But well, I, before, I, I, understand, I understand how people get there, though. Oh, uh, for sure. So, like, before we wrap up, what's your best and worst? And what, what insights could you give people to take away so I've, from? I've never, had, I've never had a prep that was just terrible. I've had mediocre preps and then good ones. So, in general, the ones uh, that were mediocre were ones where I was in a period where my training age and age, in general, were getting to a point where I couldn't train that same way anymore. Uh, so I was just getting a bunch of nagging injuries throughout the prep, you mm -hmm. know, it was, uh, you know, I was still trying to squat at a high frequency bench at a high frequency, um, and, and heavy. Yeah. And, uh, Be hard you not know, to. by the, by the time I got to competitions, I was just burnt out. So once I, once I realized that I realized two things, one, I realized I couldn't train that way anymore. And then the second thing I realized was that I couldn't be left to my own devices to make that call myself because if I felt good on any given day, I had, would always have the itch to go heavy. And I, yeah. I like going heavy. That's what that's what was really oh no I get it you know something that so I, hard I liked about the sport. So uh, that's when I had uh, I just asked Steph to be my coach and she did it for two or I think three three preps and they were the three best competitions of my life. And that's I dialed back frequency. Uh, I did a lot more accessory work, um, accessory work with, with purpose, with yeah, an objective. Sure. But you did a, a lot of Bulgarian split squats, didn't you? I did a lot of, a, a lot of those. I did a lot of, uh, like really annoying stuff like banded deadlifts and, yeah. uh, pin deadlifts and, uh, you know, just stuff that were just oh just so terrible to do but those would be at the beginning of the prep sure. you know speed squat yeah. pause squat high bar like all these different things um that were just you know things that that she was using to limit me from going heavier you know because they were just yeah, challenging it's like, it's like putting it's weights just managing dog, low you know? yeah slow down a little bit so uh you know th those those were my best that those were i think i had th three meets where you know i will where i wilkes 500 or more that's when i squatted my best meet ever was boss of bosses 
where yeah, that's yeah. where my whole point of the prep i actually i think i got a pr and everything but my whole point of the prep was to get that 700 squat mm-hmm. which i got and that was and it moved really really well i thought it even had more possibly but um you know with that one my recovery was on point that's when we were going to the bathhouse religiously Fuck yeah. i had uh my frequency and and volume dialed back a little more intention in my accessories i was pushing the intensity uh still weekly but in in a way that i could recover from you know it was just it was adjusting just to where i was at in my my powerlifting career and it was something that i don't think i was able to do on my own so it's good for somebody to put a limiter on you especially if you're so used to doing it yourself like yeah because you'll run into that problem like i did too like you left to your own devices you're like well i feel good today like let's just put some mm-hmm. stupid amount of weight on the bar let's see what happens like yeah it's not, well, it's not a good approach and another change was i just let myself compete at what my weight was at so i was competing at 198 so I didn't really have to cut, whereas before I was competing at 181. So I was doing like, yeah. you know, 20 to 23 pound weight cuts. Yeah, it's close to 10% of your body weight, man. With varying results. So sometimes they went great, you yeah. know. Sometimes, sometimes they went really well. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you <laughs> sit around with a bunch of dirty old men in a public uh, spa sauna and you get a lung infection. So yeah, highly don't recommend that. <laughs> no, me either. But so yeah, what's yeah. like the big level takeaways are like consider training age, you know, uh, mm-hmm. high level competition is just a wildly different place, and there's just so much that leads into it. It's nothing that really can prepare you for the day, but uh, recovery is huge. If you could find a bathhouse, go do it. Find a sauna, go do it. Find a cold plunge, go do it. But and don't, don't be, be afraid, afraid to change your your training style. And don't be afraid to push yourself when you're young. Oh, for sure. Just don't be an idiot. Yeah. Too yeah. Much. Do it under guidance. I think that's a good place to wrap. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.